Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. do in our lives, and we believe that if we just get in touch with you, that we'll have an incredible year. And so what we're going to be doing is following along in the Praying with Confidence book series. Pastor Jeff Leak of Allison Park Church, they're our parent church, he wrote a book called Praying with Confidence. We're going to have that book available for you to purchase if you would like at the Connection Center next week. It'll be $10. You can make it out a check to Encounter Church, or you can just bring cash. Um, if you don't want to follow the book, that's okay. We're still going to have the series going every week. And then there will be daily prayer uh, emphasis. If you have the book, there's 31 of them, literally. You just read that part and pray over that every day. If you don't have the book, we're going to have weekly prayer emphasis. And we'll have those available for you in the programs or the Connection Center and maybe even through email so that all week long we'll be praying kind of the same emphasis throughout that entire uh, month of January. Now, with the Praying with Confidence series and with the 31 days of prayer, we're going to stretch ourselves. There is this thing called fasting. Have any of you ever heard of the word fasting? Raise your hand if you've ever heard it. How many of you like it? All the hands go down. All right. So here's what we're doing. So here's the thing about fasting. The reason it's so powerful is not because you're doing anything magical, but there is something that happens uh, that happens in our spirits when we when we deprive ourselves of something that we that we need or something that's important to us, and we take that time that we say no to, and we focus and channel our thoughts and our and our spirit toward God. When we when we say no to something, and then we say yes to God specifically through prayer and through like meditation during that time, something powerful happens in the spirit realm. We don't fully understand it, but it is clear all throughout scripture that when people pray and fast, that breakthrough happens in their lives and God does incredible work. So throughout the 31 days of prayer, what we're going to be doing, and and I'm going to be doing this, I'm leading the way with this, and I want to invite you to join me, is that on Wednesdays, we're going to be fasting on Wednesdays. So what that means is Tuesday night after dinner, I'm not going to eat anything until dinner Wednesday night. So basically, it's a snack that I'm skipping on Tuesday night, breakfast and lunch on Wednesday, and then I get to eat dinner again on, on Wednesday. Okay, does that make sense? So Tuesday night after dinner through uh, Wednesday dinner, fasting every Wednesday in the month. And that's what I'm inviting you to do. In addition to that, I'm excited that on the last Wednesday or Tuesday of the month, I think it's the 26th of January, we're going to have our very first Encounter Church worship night. And we're going to come together. We're still working out some of the details for about the location. We're going to come together and we're going to worship. We're going to praise God for what he has done in our lives already. I'm believing that on that night, I'm believing that we're going to come and we're going to have already seen God answer prayers in our lives. We're going to see him encouraging us and challenging us for new things for the new year. And we're going to come and just worship him for the God that he is and believing for what he's going to do in the rest of the year. And then finally, this is the big one, guys. The last week of, of, uh, of January, fasting seven days, seven days. Now, here's the thing. What I want to do is I want to challenge myself because I want God to do some incredible things in my life. And some of you have maybe never fasted at all in your entire life. And what I'm saying is for you is would you consider coming along on this journey? Would you consider it? Because I'm telling you as your pastor that God wants to do something big in your life. He wants to shake up your routine. He wants to speak into your life and speak into existence things that do not currently exist in you. He wants to open up dreams in you and he wants to accomplish things. He wants to remove old habits and bring new life to you. And he can do that through this 31 days of prayer and fasting. 
But it only happens if you're willing to allow him to stretch you. So I would encourage you to think through this. Would you commit to at least trying to do some kind of fasting on those Wednesdays? And when we get to the end of the month together, you can make a choice about how you want to do it. If you want to do all food, you want to do just a little bit. If you want to do one meal, whatever it is, I don't know, but I'm telling you. Make a plan in the very beginning here to join and come along with this in whatever way you feel like God is asking you to. And I promise you, he will reach you. He will meet Excuse me, he will meet you there. So that's what it is, 31 days of prayer. And I'm believing that God's going to do incredible work in our lives and in our church if we start the year off right. So that's what those details are. Look for those books starting in January. And uh, let's go ahead and uh, just kind of roll our message trailer and we'll get into the Word today. Get into it. I thought before we would uh, get into the message as we finish off our series for December, I thought it'd be fun to close out the year with, a, with an Encounter Church Christmas selfie. How's that sound? Can everybody stand up for me? Can everybody stand up? We're going we're gonna to see if we can pull this off. I've seen other people do it. I think it'd be fun if we could try this. We're going to do an encounter. Yeah, we do need a selfie stick, right? All right, so here we go. So what I want everybody to do is to just smile big and, and we're all going to actually make it a video. Maybe I'll do that. Let's see. Video. Here we go. All right. We're all going to say Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. How's that sound? All right. One, two, three. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year from Encounter Church, everybody. We love you. All right. How cool was that? Man, technology is amazing, isn't it? Yeah. All right. So you can find this on my Instagram and on my Twitter page and my Facebook page later today. All right. There it is. Sent. Boom. It's done. Man, technology is awesome. Thanks for joining me with that, folks. Well, good morning, everybody. Today is, uh, it is a couple days after Christmas. I want to say Merry Christmas to each one of you. Um, I love you so much. As your pastor, it is my honor, seriously my honor, to stand here every, every Sunday. I do not take this lightly. Every week as I prepare messages, I really try to like, hear from God, what do you want to say to us? And, uh, and I, I, I've been changed this year, and so I'm excited. I look back over 2015, and every year, doesn't it feel like every year it just goes by like, like, like just lightning um, sometimes it feels a little bit longer, but then by the time the year ends, you just feel like it's, 
Like it has arrived and has gone so quickly, you know. Um, We're finishing up today with our Advent Driven Life message series. What we've been doing all throughout the month, this concept of Advent is the idea of waiting for a Savior. It is a traditional um, sense of of waiting for God to come and and to change our lives and our world. And we want to live a life that is worthy of not just Jesus coming during Christmas, but also throughout the entire year. And so we've talked a lot about um, different elements in Scripture, people who were waiting for Jesus. Jesus, people who were seeking after a Savior, people who when they came to him for the very first time, they saw him and they gave God glory and honor and they were in wondrous awe of it. And so that's what we did. Last week we talked about the wonder of God and we said that God is calling each one of us to, to come and to experience the mystery and the power and life and hope that is found in a relationship with Jesus. And our big idea of last week's message was that we are invited to experience the wonder of God in the middle of our everyday lives. And in fact, I was walking home last week from, from uh, dropping off my car, and I was in the middle of a frustrated moment, and I just was reminded of what God said to me. Some of you may have seen my video on Facebook or on our Instagram, and I just said, God, I'm, I'm having trouble today with this thing. This is right before Christmas. I don't have the money for da, 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 whatever. And I just, I remembered what God said is that I can meet you here in the middle of this right now, right here in the middle of this. And I just stopped literally in my tracks. And I just said, God, I want to meet you here. Can you give me peace? And he did. He met me there. He wants to allow us to experience the wonder and the presence of our, of God in our everyday middle of our lives. He is waiting for us. And so this week, we're going to finish off our Advent Driven Life series with one final last aspect of the Advent Driven Life, and that is this. It's rejoicing in God's justice. And we talked about waiting for God. We talked about seeking after God. Last week, we talked about the wonder of God. But this week, it sounds a little different, right? Rejoicing in God's justice. So here's the deal, though. Now that the Savior has come, so we know we celebrated Christmas just a few days ago. That is the day that we celebrate that Jesus, our Savior, has come. We have waited for him. We have sought after him. We are overcome with wonder and praise. And then once that time happened, expectations abounded about who this this Savior was going to be. Most of the Jewish people thought that Jesus was going to be this warrior king who was going to come and he was going to free them from the Roman oppression. If you guys have ever read parts of Scripture, you would know that the that the Jewish people in Israel, they were occupied by the Roman military and the Roman Empire. So they thought that when their Savior, the Messiah, would come, they thought that Jesus was going to be this great ruler who was going to come and lead a military force to overthrow Rome and to keep, uh, eventually the Jewish people would rise up and become like the greatest in the world. That's what many people thought. They thought he would be a political leader, that Jesus would be like the king of a political uh, empire. And no one, though, anticipated that Jesus would have humble beginnings and that he would be born in a, in a cave or in, a, in like a, a stable area with animals. Nobody thought that was the case, especially the way that he held himself. He wasn't just born in that. The entire life of Jesus was lived in humility, and even his, ultimately his death on a cross was, was for criminals, right? I mean, his entire life was the opposite of what people thought of Jesus. So... But it is clear, though, throughout Scripture that, that what we're talking about with Advent and this concept of justice, that God's plan for Jesus was not about ruling over the nations. It was not about giving people what they deserve. It was actually about reconciliation. It was actually about justice in our world. But when we look at our current world, all throughout history, we have seen the natural tendency of human beings, of mankind, ultimately is to take what is wanted from people and at the expense of anybody in the way. Right? We see injustice in our world all the time. I mean, if you examine 
any moment in human history, any story of any kind, we see those with power, and then we see those without power. We see people using others and abusing them to get what they want. We see some people with incredible wealth. At any point in history, we see some with incredible wealth and a very comfortable lifestyle, and then we see others at the same time in shameful poverty and in, and in desolation. But it is to this world, it is to that world that we see all throughout history, it is to that race of people that God sent his son, Jesus, into to bring justice and to make a path of reconciliation and restoration in our world. Jesus came for one reason, and that was to make things right, to make things right. And so I boiled it all down into that word justice. Justice equals making things right. So when we're thinking about Advent, we have waited for our Savior to come, and He came. We seek after God readily. God, show us what you want for us. And when we experience Him in the middle of our problems and in our everyday lives, just like this week as I was saying, I was walking home, I experienced something, and I was in wonder of how a God of the universe met me in that moment. I experienced wonder. And then I think, you know what? Wow. God came to make things right in my life and in other people's lives. And as I experience what he has done to me, as I look back over my life and I think, God has done incredible things. He has made so many wrongs in my life, so many mistakes that I have made. He has made things right. That is justice. That is the God that we serve. He has come to make things right. We all have a longing for justice to be seen in our world. I mean, think about when you're walking to work and you see a homeless person or if you're at work and you see some wrong take place or in any public space, when we see wrongs taking place, there's something that happens deep inside of us, right? We naturally see someone being wronged and we want justice to come to them. We want someone to help them. When we see people being abused on on television or on the news, the things that are going on with, with the racial issues in our country, when we see, you know, terrorist acts and things happening, when we see people being wronged, we desperately, something inside of us says justice needs to be served. We need to find a way to help these people. But we often feel the same way when we see somebody who's doing the wrong. When we see a criminal act, or like I had mentioned with terrorism, or when we see criminals do things to other people, we want them to receive the justice that they deserve as well. And we can often feel that justice, though, in our world is not served. I mean, if we look around, many of us can feel as though How can I rejoice in God's justice when it just doesn't seem like there's so much of it happening? I look around and every turn, it appears as though there is injustice taking place all over. So the question then, to answer that question, I would say I believe that we need to first understand what God's justice looks like and where it came from. And I think in order to do that, we're going to look at one final story in the Bible today about an individual who talked about God's justice, and it's best portrayed in Jesus' mom. Her name was Mary. If you guys would open your Bibles to me, with me to Luke chapter 1. We're going to the beginning. Luke chapter 1. When the angel Gabriel came and visited Mary, okay? So this is a very famous passage of Scripture. The angel Gabriel comes and he visits Mary, this lady who we think might have just been 13 years old. She was very young. And an angel shows up and says, God has chosen you to bring the Savior, the promised one, the Messiah into the world. And she was ecstatic. She was overjoyed that God would choose her to bring Jesus into the world. So the Bible tells us she goes and she visits her her relative. Her name was Elizabeth, who if you read the, the passage of Scripture beforehand, you actually see that Elizabeth was pregnant with who we know as John the Baptist. So 
so they're cousins, John the Baptist and Jesus. So neither of them were born at this point. So Mary went to her to visit her relative Elizabeth to share the good news that had just happened. And when she arrived, Elizabeth was, the Bible says she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed in that moment that Mary was blessed to be carrying the Savior of the world. Now, how would she know that? The only reason she knew that was because of the Holy Spirit speaking that into her life. And at that moment, when, when Elizabeth spoke over Mary that she was blessed to be carrying the Savior of the world, something deep inside happened to Mary. Burning deep within her, something rose up in the longings, not just of Mary, but of all creation, for justice, for freedom from our world, from the things that hold us back. All creation longs for all of it. In that moment, all of that welled up inside of Mary. And she speaks as what we know is what's called the Magnificat. Anyone ever heard the word the Magnificat? Any of you Catholics out there have heard the word Magnificat, right? This is a, an utterance that Mary has, a song of praise for God's coming justice. In this moment, she just wells up with the cries of all humanity. And this is what she says in Luke chapter 1. Let's read it together. Verse 46 through 55. Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of this lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy. And he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arms have done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful for he made this promise to her ancestors to abraham and his children forever in this moment she was she was what we call prophesying she was speaking something the the hopes and the the desires the longings of every human being when we see the rich people walk away with all the money and we see the poor people have nothing right what she's saying here is she feels the holy spirit welling up and said this baby that i am carrying in my womb is going to be the one who will free the world from this oppression he will bring justice. He will bring mercy. She is speaking out future tense, what all creation wants for things to be made right. And she was saying that this child would become the one who would bring that. He would signal the reversal of the world's ways. Everything that we know of is climbing the ladder and stepping on other people. Jesus would reverse all of it. It's incredible. She knew it. It was a rejoicing in the fact that God has not left us here alone. And to fend for ourselves and that one day he would make all things right. It's a thankfulness that we serve a God that cares for all people, especially those who are desperate and in need of help. And I am thankful for that, aren't you? Aren't you thankful that the God that we serve loves every one of us? That he loves us, he loves the people out on the streets, he loves the guy who is dying right now, he loves the person who is poor, he loves the rich person, he loves every single person, he loves the terrorists who are bombing people, he loves everyone enough and wants no one to perish. And that's, it's incredible because you know what, we are just one step away from being a person who we think that we could never be like. A series of our lives takes us into places that we never thought that we would go to, but no matter how far away we go, God's word promises that he will never stop loving us and that there is nowhere that we could go that Jesus cannot find us. I think that deserves a praise God. Can we all just say together, praise God. God. Yes, praise the Lord. He is deserving of it. And we rejoice in God's justice. So we ask that question, how can we rejoice 
in the justice of God when it seems like there's so little justice around? It's because, it's because we serve a God who would rather send his own son than to give us what we deserve. And this is where rejoicing in God's justice begins. It starts in this place. It is that gratitude that he cares and sent Jesus to make things right. We rejoice in God and his justice. In the beginning of it starts with gratitude. It's saying, God, I'm thankful. Thank you that you sent Jesus to make things right. But God's justice goes further than just caring for people. Jesus came as what we call the incarnate one. He is God in the flesh to actually bring justice. And Jesus spoke about himself in Luke chapter 4. So we skip a few chapters forward. Jesus is no longer a baby. He's now a man. He has grown up. He's got a little hair on his chest. He's maybe even got a little gold chain. I don't know. But Luke chapter 4 verse 16, this is what Jesus then says about himself. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. This man had, had, had guts, right? I mean, he wasn't a priest. He stood up, picked up a scroll, The scroll of the Isaiah the prophet was handed to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where this is written. This is what he said. Verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And then, just like a man who's kind of dropping the mic, he rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. Like, okay, what was that all about? And this is what it says. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. And then Jesus began to speak to them. He said, the scripture that you just heard has been fulfilled this very day. What he was saying to them in that moment, after he gets up and he reads the scripture, which is in their Old Testament, they had all heard this passage of scripture, what Jesus was saying, take a good look. Because I am the one that this scripture is talking about. I am the one that you have been waiting for. I am here to make things right. Jesus was very clear about why he came to earth. He came to bring justice, to introduce a new kind of justice, a subversive justice, one that cannot be corrupted and that has the power to dramatically change the trajectory of your life, of my life, and of everyone's life, regardless of our circumstances. When we look at that passage of Scripture, we understand what Jesus came to do. We think justice means that the guy who is the bad guy goes to jail and justice for the good person who was just victimized gets recompense, you know, or gets some kind of reconciliation or money for it. Jesus' justice is completely different. His justice is about announcing a new era. He said, I came to give good news to the poor. Jesus said, I came to tell you that your life, your best can be ahead of you. If you follow after me, I can show you that you have a new life, that your old era of your addictions, of your ways that you used to live, the bondage and the chains that held you down, no longer are that, is that who you are? A new era can begin for you today. That's what Jesus came to say. His justice includes breaking chains. It says the captives will be released. That means that there are things that hold you and I back, the habits, the bad habits, the life, the the choices that we make, the patterns that we live in. In Jesus' name, he said, I have come to break those chains off of you, off of your family, the things that have held you back. My mother is a perfect example of this. She grew up in a home with a drunk as a father who was emotionally and physically abusive. Her family got involved in all sorts of things, and most of her family still lives in, in, a, in destructive cycles in their life. My mother found Jesus at a young age and said, I do not 
want this for my family. And through the power of God's transformation in her life, she was able to walk out. And now I am here. We have an incredible family that lives healthy, that lives life and has seen the power of Jesus, the justice of Jesus transforming our lives because of a decision that she made. Because, because Jesus spoke life into her and broke chains off of her, she was able to walk on a new path. A new era began for her. And my family exists today because of what Jesus did in my mom's life. Do you understand the power of his breaking the chains in our lives? He came to break chains. He came to open eyes to the truth. He said, blind will see. He said, so yes, physically that means that when you pray for people, that means that people can miraculously be healed. But it also means that he will open people's eyes to see things that they have never seen before. It means that they have lived their lives in, 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 in darkness. I have seen so many people who have come and found Jesus and truly became a disciple of him and said, I can't believe that I missed so much of this. The way I was living in my life, I was living a lie. My eyes were covered over, and he has opened my eyes to see the reality of what, what this world is truly like. He wants to open eyes. Jesus' justice lifts burdens. He says that he was, uh, the oppressed will be set free. Oppression is this concept of, of weight, right? Things that hold you down. Some of you maybe feel that what I'm talking about. You walk around and you just feel heavy. He has come to lift burdens off of people. He has come to give life and to say, I want to release you from oppression. There are things that are holding you down. Maybe not addictions, but there's a way of thinking he has come to, to lift burdens off of people. Jesus' justice is announcing a new era. It is breaking chains. It is opening eyes to truth. It is lifting burdens. And it is to connect people back to the gift of God's life. He says, the time of the Lord's favor has come. Jesus signaled the moment in this time in history where now for every person can now look back and say, the time of the Lord's favor has come. God is not an angry God. God is waiting for us in open arms, just like the prodigal son story, saying, come back home. The gift that Jesus gives us is to connect people back to the gift of life. And ever since that day that Jesus stood up in the temple and read that scripture and said, take a good look, the man that you see in front of you fulfills this scripture. Every person who has experienced Jesus since that day has found that kind of justice in their lives. And when you have been freed from your past, and you have been given a new life, the natural response is to rejoice. That's why. People are like, Jared, how can, how can you be so, so excited about what God has done? Like, because you don't know what I used to be like. If you talk to anybody who, has, who can draw a stark picture from what they were before Jesus and when afterwards, there, there, is, there is reason to rejoice. I know that I was, I was thoughts of committing suicide. I know that I have lived in a place of insecurity and of feeling like my life was broken and shattered. And now I live a whole life because of what Jesus has done. That's worth rejoicing over. That's why I'm excited. That's why you see me down here on a Sunday morning. My hands are in the air. Praise you, God. Because I have that excitement. Because I rejoice in the justice that God has lifted burdens from me. He's given me a new era. And that's what's available for each one of us. It's incredible. That's why we rejoice. And in Advent, we rejoice in the justice and freedom that is found in Jesus. But as always, God illustrates these points to us with one example, but then he expands it out for each person and the model for all. Jesus is, Jesus is God's justice personified for all to see. So when we think of God giving justice, Jesus is, is the example of justice to all. 
So if Jesus is God incarnate in a human being, then the church is Jesus incarnate to the world. You hear what I'm saying here? If Jesus is God in the flesh to us so we can see what God is like, the church is Jesus incarnate in us so that they can see what Jesus is like. You understand? That's the important part. And so he is inviting us to to join into that. For 2,000 years, the calling card of the church of Jesus Christ has been announcing Jesus' justice and carrying it with them into the darkness to give it to other people. And that's our big idea of the day. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write this down. We bring God's justice to the world when we give it Jesus. We bring God's justice to the world when we give it Jesus. If we complain that we don't see enough justice in the world, then it's probably because we're not doing our part to bring it to people. Because while the government can do an okay job, while the military can bring certain kinds of justice to the world, truly the kind of justice that changes lives can only be brought from Jesus to people. Jesus is the only one who can renounce new eras. Jesus is the only one who can break chains and can lift burdens, right? And he has called his church, he's called each one of us to partner with him to bring that justice to the world. And we can only do that by bringing it Jesus. We live the Advent life by practicing Jesus' justice everywhere we go, whether our family or our neighbors or our friends, our coworkers with strangers, with the hungry, with the hurting, with the broken, with the poor, with people who are different than us, with our enemies. We bring God's justice to the world when we give Jesus to every person that we come in contact with. So then the question now becomes how? 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 And we're going to wrap up with this today. We bring Jesus' justice by this. And you'll see it models just after what Jesus' justice is, but now it's living out. We can bring Jesus' justice by announcing a new era over people. When you have a friend or you have a coworker or a family member or someone that even a stranger and you're having a conversation with them and you can see the Holy Spirit will speak through you and will say to you, this person, you will just notice this person is struggling with this thing. It is okay for you as a beacon of light, as the justice bringer of Christ to tell and speak announcing something over into their life. You can announce a new era. Listen, I, it seems like we've been talking for a while and it seems like you've really been struggling with this thing. Well, I want you to know that there's something new available for you. There is a new era that can start in your life. We have to get bold. We have to come to a place where we're willing to say, if I truly believe in my life that Jesus Christ is the justice that has transformed me, then should I not share that with someone else? The justice that they're so willing, so, so desperately needing. Yeah, the homeless guy, you know, he needs some money so that he can go get food so that he can eat. But you know what he truly needs? Because even if, even if he gets that food tomorrow, he's going to need more. But what he truly needs is something deep inside of him that will transform him. And whether or not he gets off the street or not, that life that is found through Jesus Christ will give him a hope that that food can never give him. And so when we bring that to people, we announce a new era over people. We have a family member who's struggling with something. No, this is not who you are. You know, when I've seen people, I have seen family members or friends who get stuck in patterns and then they begin to think that that is what defines them. But when we look at them and we say, no, I want you to understand something. This thing that you struggle with, it can be overcome. But this is not who you are. This is not who you are. This is not, through the power of Jesus Christ, you can begin a new era and live a new life and become a different person. We announce that over people. The second thing that we bring Jesus justice to others is by breaking chains of bondage in Jesus' name. 
We have that power. Jesus said, you will do even greater things than I. So when we walk up to somebody who is struggling with addiction, you don't have to walk up to them and smack them in the face and say, in Jesus' name, right? But you can pray for them in your own life, in the 31 days of prayer that we're going to be doing in January. If there is something in your life or something in someone else's life, you can pray, Jesus, in your name, I pray against this addiction. Jesus, in your name, I pray against anger problems. Jesus, in your name, I pray against financial bondage in their life. You know, I can't do a thing. I can't make someone be able to pay their bills. I can't make someone want to get off the streets. I can't make somebody stop showing up late to work, whatever, right? But you know what can when that chain is broken off of them? Jesus' name is what breaks chains. So we can pray in the name of Jesus to break the chains off of other people. It's not anything I'm doing. We're just asking Jesus to be the man that he said he was, right? And that's the idea. We bring Jesus' justice by breaking chains of bondage in the name of Jesus. We do it by speaking truth to the lost. That means you've got to have friends who are lost. That means you've got to go places where people aren't Christians. You have to know people who don't know Jesus so that you can share and help them see that they're, that, and open their eyes and let Jesus illuminate them. We can bring Jesus' justice by speaking truth to the lost. We do it by lifting burdens off of other people. If Jesus lifted our burdens, we need to see our friends. We need to see our family, our coworkers. When we see the homeless man, we need to take our resources that he has given us and lift the burdens of other people. We need to help our friends pay their bills. When we, as a church, when we see, when we see people in our community struggling, we need to help them. That's why we do things like our friends giving, right? That's why we're going to be starting up a grocery ministry in the new year. Because our church, we want to be that. But it's not just a corporate thing. We need to lift burdens off of each other as friends. If someone in your life group is struggling, right? If you realize because you're in relationships with them that they're having problems, find a way to help them. If there's somebody in your family who can't buy groceries, buy them groceries. Let's lift the burdens off of each other and off of other people. And by doing so, we bring them Jesus's justice. And they're like, who is this man that sent you? I want to know more about him because I don't know anybody who does this for me other than you and that Jesus. And finally, we bring Jesus's justice by connecting people back to the life that is found in Jesus. I mean, all this stuff is good, right? Like helping people get off the streets, helping people have better habits and helping them in their their problems and lifting their burdens and all those things are great. But ultimately, what we all need is a relationship with Jesus because that is the thing, the catalyst that changes it all. So all along the way, as we meet people, as we talk to people, as we reach people, as we, we lift their burdens and we help people, we rejoice in the justice that is being poured out all over this world. And every time that we see someone receiving the love of God, we will rejoice in it. When we have our egg hunt and we see a thousand people come and, and, and our church is loving them and we're giving them free food and eggs and when we give them backpacks in the summer and, and when we feed them with Thanksgiving meals and we do all sorts of things, when we see people receiving the love of God, we as a church will rejoice in God's justice being given out to the world. So Advent, as we close Advent, Advent is about others, right? It's not about us. It's about others. And specifically, it's actually about the least and the lost, those among us with whom Jesus himself was born. He hung out with, with, with a, a teenager and, and, and with, a, with a man who they were engaged, and he was born in a humble spot. Shepherds who were the lowest of the low come and hang out with Jesus. He came to be with them. And it's to whom his ministry was so often directed. Jesus wasn't hanging out with the the people who had their act together. 
Advent allows us to see our connection to God's hurting world and know that God is at work in Jesus to heal the hurting people. And so as we close out this year, as we move into 2016, we will be a church. We will be a church and we will be people who wait for God's power and his presence in our lives. As we move into this year, we're going to say, God, I want to live the Advent-driven life all year. I'm going to wait for you in my, the middle of my circumstances. I'm going to wait for your presence and for your power to come into my life. I'm going to seek God, and I'm going to allow him to transform me, to make me into the man or the woman that you want me to be. I'm going to experience the wonder of God in the middle of our everyday lives. We're going to see that he is present. We just have to find him. Like, I think some people said they invite God to come. No, 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 we're not inviting him. He's already here. We just have to find a way to tap into his presence being already in existence. We need to experience him. And finally, we will be a church. We will be a people that will bring God's justice to the world as we bring it Jesus. We will be a church this year that will live the Advent-driven life. And so as we move into 2016, I think about what is it that God wants for us. This year, I really truly believe, remember we began the year with a, a mission statement that said, we will intentionally grow deeper and outward to make disciples of Jesus. That was what we believed that God was saying, this is what I want for you. And this year I see we have done it. We've become disciples of Jesus. We have, we have said, master, will you teach us? We have grown inwardly, meaning we, we've intentionally gone deeper in our relationship with him. And we have pushed out. We have done incredible outreach. We have reached people. We have made relationships with people in our community who would never, ever step into the doors of a church again because maybe they've been hurt or burned. And this next year, in 2016, we will push further. We will bring Jesus to our community, into our city. We will expand our influence. God is going to do incredible things in us, but we have to be the ones who are willing to allow him to transform us. We have to wait on God. We have to intentionally seek him. And when we experience him, we have to have a wonder and praise for him. And then as we experience that, we will then express his justice and his goodness and his transforming ability to the world around us. And we will see God transform this world. Would you pray with me? God, we love you. We thank you so much that you have brought us through this year. Some of us, it has been a difficult year. For some of us, it's been a wonderful year, but you have been through it with us. You have been there every step of the way. And so we just want to end 2015 by saying thank you. Thank you for your love. God, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you that you have not abandoned us, that you have not left us here alone to fend for ourselves, but instead you have brought us the truest kind of justice that brings us back to our creator and will make all things right one day. And so we now in 2016, as we move to that, we align ourselves with you we say, I want what you want. I want that justice in my life and I want to bring it and give it to other people. And we will rejoice in all the things that you do in us and around us and through us all throughout this year. God, make us deeper disciples and push us outward, outside of these walls to meet people and give them hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.